Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And this is probably the most full we've had for a weekly recap in terms of news in probably a couple months, right? I would say so, yeah. Normally, these have been going pretty quick uh, the last little bit, or at the very least, they've been pretty light in news content. Uh, yeah. But there's actually stuff to talk about beyond just like a couple of scattered uh, volleyball and soccer games. Yeah, which, hey, more content for us. But as for what we're going over, we're going to be covering football recruiting, baseball recruiting, volleyball, soccer, a little bit of preseason women's basketball, and of course, the wacky segment of the week. But let's start straight from the top with football recruiting and the brand new member of your Kansas State Wildcats to the 2023 recruiting class. And that is three-star wide receiver from Florida with a 6-1 frame, and that is Jace Brown. Jace Brown is someone who didn't have any other Power 5 offers, and I know that will make people on message boards extraordinarily happy. But just really... Okay, before I go into my diatribe, do you have anything? What's your scouting report on Mr. Brown? Um, yeah, so Jace Brown, he's six foot, 165. Um, didn't hold uh any other power five offers at the time. He did have a host of group of five offers. Um, and he was probably reaching the point where there's some power five circling around. Um he um, was a multi-sport athlete that played basketball and track as well. Uh, he qualified district in Florida for the 200-400. Um, he uh, plays both ways as well in football. In fact, a lot of his highlights are actually at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's coming to KSA as a receiver. Uh, Grade-wise grade wise right now, uh, he's graded by on three and 24-7 as an 85 three-star. So kind of middle of the road. Uh, prospect in that regard uh, he's a little slight uh, as things stand uh, but there's some interesting things about him he's fairly athletic and agile he's not a burner or particularly fast really but he's a very good route runner um, and, but he does need to work on his release so there's some things that he's very good at and there's some things that really need some work so definitely more of a developmental prospect than a guy like Andre Davis is um, but He's kind of reminiscent of RJ Garcia, I'd say, is kind of a prospect profile to compare him to, Um, especially, I mean, even being from Florida, they're very similar prospects. Um, But I like Jace Brown. He's a solid guy to fill in a class, especially uh, because I think that we're chasing other receivers right now as well. I think he's a receiver that you want to fill out a receiver class as opposed to have him be the number two guy because Andre Davis is a very good prospect and I really like Andre Davis. Uh, Jace Brown is someone I'd want to be the third or fourth receiver uh, in a class. Uh, So I'd like us to fill in one more at least guy uh, who can come in above him, especially because we're probably losing a lot of receiver talent uh, this offseason. So we're going to really need some young guys to come and step up. Yeah. As for my thoughts on Jace Brown, there's a lot of parts of his game that are actually pretty well developed already. The first thing is his ability to catch out of his frame and the way that he's able to quite literally snag at the ball. Because there were a few times in his highlight tape that the ball is thrown above him and he just shoots his arms up to make a a pretty, one of those 
I always call them split catches because you're pretty much full. Every part of your body is fully extended to make sure that you can get that catch. And he has that ability, which is awesome to see just coming straight out of high school. And the other thing that he's pretty solid at is he has a pretty decent understanding of how like the fundamentals of route running. The first of which that he probably needs to work on is the air raid principle of every route is vertical until it isn't which is one of my favorite adages that I've ever heard from a wide receivers coach. And it wasn't a receivers coach I've ever interacted with is something I heard on the internet, but it's very funny, but he has a pretty good understanding of how leverage works as a defensive back, probably because he plays a lot of defensive back. (laughs) But like you said, I, he doesn't have the greatest long speed and he's not someone who's going to come in day one, mostly because of his frame. But I could see him being a pretty consistent Z receiver. And like you said, I if he's the third receiver in this class, I would think we had a really, really good receivers class. If he's the second one, I would say we had an all right receivers class. But right now, the main thing is he just needs to hit the weight room because he is 160 pounds. And I imagine that's 160 soaking wet. Because when it comes to receivers... Their uh, thinner receivers tend to uptick themselves on weight a little bit. But yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> pretty much our scouting report and why Jace Brown is such an important commit. So welcome to the family, Mr. Brown. But we also have another one to welcome to the family, however, in a different sport. And that is a brand new Batcat commit, Hello Motorcycle, who's loud enough to hear through two walls. and that is the brand new bat cats commit hudson bird from blue valley and this is a 2023 commit so in the same class as micah dean and oh there's one other um that i'm trying to 20 24 oh is it 24 I oh yeah, yeah 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 he is a 24. The other yeah. guys in the 24 class right now um you have AJ Avasco at first base, Robert Hammond. Uh, oh, I was thinking about Vasco. Micah Henson and then Tyler Smolinski are the others uh right now that are committed for 24. Okay. But yeah, Hudson Bird 24 commit. What do you have on him? Um very little honestly. Uh cuz yeah. he currently is not graded on perfect game. He's a 24 uh grad um go figure is another utility guy writing the pitcher slash outfield uh his build reminds me of caleb little jim i don't know if his game is anything like that because <laughs> there's just no there's no scouting reports on him on here uh very little that we know we do have him clocked at an 87 mile per hour fastball velocity this past summer which would put him uh in the 96th uh 0.56 percentile for the like class of 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really great uh development there. He's seven, he just turned 17 according to Perfect Game. Uh 16 or it says 17 and zero months. He's a righty, uh batting and throwing. And again, 6'5, 190, pretty similar build to Caleb Little Jim, who played a similar role of being a rangy center fielder that could come in and pitch as well. Uh so and again, he's an in-state guy. Uh, as well i gotta love that he's from leewood uh plays in blue valley uh so yeah not a ton that we know about him we'll know we'll have a bit better of an idea once the professionals give him a grade uh 
And uh, uh, but until that point, it is difficult to get uh, much of a read on him. I would say. Um, other than you know, it's it's always good to get another commit. So can't yeah. really complain in in that regard. Always good to get a new bat cat. But that pretty much wraps up the recruiting segment for this week. Now we can start talking about the sports that were actually played, and we can start off by talking about volleyball. Now, we kind of had concerns about the volleyball team after they went on a four-game skid, and they responded. (laughs) And the first part of their response was a 3-0 victory up against Iowa State in Bramlage Coliseum. I was actually in attendance. It was actually a very fun game. And... Yeah, it was a, like I said earlier, a 3-0 to zero victory. It was 25-18, and then 26-24, and then 25-20. And it was another very well-attended match with 1,049 people in attendance, which in for volleyball, that's very, very good. But in terms of stats, well, I, I don't want to step on your toes. That's normally your thing. Yeah, Um Yes, statistically, the team hit 243 overall. Um, The trend of seeing less of Aaliyah Carter continued um, here in this game. Uh, She only played in one set and had three attack attempts, one kill, uh, and that was it. Uh, Had a dig as well, uh, but not a lot happening for Aaliyah Carter there. Um, Then you go to um, who really did the best with the highest volume is Shaley Myers yet again. Uh, the true freshman has been very, very impressive uh, as of late. 45 attack attempts, 17 kills, and three errors, hitting 311. Uh, had a service ace and two service errors. Um, other than that, Sydney Bolding had a nice day as well. 16 attack attempts, 10 kills, two errors, hitting 500 with four aces and no errors. Uh, seems that like we finally kind of got over the hump in this match for uh, 11 aces to four errors. Uh, Lauren Hinkle had uh, 37 sets um, in this match as well, and then just one attack attempt, which was an error. Uh, Mackenzie Morris had 22 digs in this match. Molly Ramsey had 10. Um, And then beyond that, Elena Baca had 22 attack attempts, six kills, four errors, uh, then had four sets, eight digs, uh, block attempts. A little bit of everything from Elena Baca is kind of what we've been getting recently. Uh, just kind of a jack-of-all-trades player out there. Uh, other than that, we saw uh, some Haley Warner. I uh, didn't do a whole lot statistically, only played in two sets. And then we saw some Dahlia Wilson as well. Had six attack attempts, one kill, one error, and that was it. Um, but all around, I mean, can't really go wrong with the sweep uh, from the Volleycats, even though Iowa State did out-hit uh, K-State in this match. Uh, by a little bit percentage-wise, uh, K-State um, had more attempts uh, and just had a few more errors uh, was the reason for that. And they're still able to sweep despite, I would say, having a slightly better hitting percentage. Yep. And after this performance, Shaley Myers actually won Big 12 Freshman of the Week for volleyball. So congratulations to her. And after an excellent performance up against the Iowa State Cyclones and what we hope will be a preview of K-State domination for this week and Farmageddon week. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. They also went on to go play West Virginia in Morgantown. West Virginia was six and nine on the year before this game with 0 and four in the big 12. 
and K-State wasted no time in 3-0-ing them. However, every single, fun fact, every single step, I believe they were at least down by three, and in two of the three of them, they were down by five or six. And won yeah. every set. <laughs> yeah, because um, the that first set, 25-22, pretty tight, and then they had to go into extra uh, points. I don't know what they call it in the second <laughs> set, uh, 28-26, so pretty close there. Um, K-State hitting 204, so not quite as well as they did against Iowa State, but uh, West Virginia putrid uh, 0.084 hitting percentage. Uh, and it's going to be pretty difficult to win any match in which you're barely getting above positive uh, in that regard. Um, but the Cats, um, Elena Baca had an excellent day. Uh, 18 attack attempts, 9 kills, 1 error hitting 444. Uh, and then had a few block attempts, eight digs. Um, all around really nice day for Elena Baca. Um, going elsewhere, Shaylee Myers did struggle a little bit. She had 24 attack attempts, uh, five kills, four errors. Not the greatest day. She also had two service errors in this, uh, with a few digs. Mackenzie Morris had uh, 17 digs on this match as well as a service ace and a service error. Aaliyah Carter had 12 attack attempts, just two kills, uh, and only played two sets. So again, it seems like she's kind of slipping in the rotation right now is kind of what is either that or she's battling an injury of some sort. Um, Lauren Hinkle had 30 sets on this match as well. Uh, beyond that, uh, not a ton of notable stuff. Sydney Bolding hitting uh, 15 attack attempts, 7 kills, 3 errors. Um, with a service ace as well. Um, a lot of the issues come from West Virginia, 29 errors to K-State's 15 on attacks. Uh, really, really rough uh, performance for West Virginia there. Um, there's a reason that they are winless in Big 12 play and 6-10 and 10 overall. Uh, but K-State uh, ends up coming out with a sweep on the road. Uh, regardless of the quality opponent, uh, having that good of a performance on the road is still impressive nonetheless. Yep. And that moves K-State to 11 and 6 on the year with a 2 and 2 conference record. And to you know first off imagine being concerned about a four game skid. Imagine couldn't have been us. Couldn't have been us. No chance. <clears throat> Don't go listen to that episode. <clears throat> it contradicts what we're saying right now. I mean no it doesn't because it didn't happen. Words, so. Yeah, it didn't happen. What episode? <laughs> Don't care didn't ask plus it didn't happen. <laughs> it's not real. It never was. But yeah, out, outside of that, they responded pretty well by getting two consecutive sweeps and winning, like I said, sweeps are pretty convincing. But another thing that's quietly come to my attention is that Elena Baca is quietly the best player on this team. And that's including a team that has a, that had a, a consensus preseason All-American who's not playing because she's either hurt, but the person who's stepping in for her, Shaley Myers, is pretty good yeah Shaley Myers has really come onto the scene this year uh, and been pretty excellent uh, she didn't do great against West Virginia but up until that point she really had had nothing but great performances um, but I'm not going to hold one performance against her uh, she'd been doing really really well uh, in the attack department uh, a lot to really like there especially as a true freshman uh, hope that K-State can build around her for the future yeah. 
However, the uh, the next game, K-State Volleyball gets to take this weekend off, get some some nice rest and relaxation, and then immediately head down to Austin to face, I believe, the 12-0 and to this point, Texas Longhorns. I, uh, I, I don't want to say I'm not optimistic, but I, I'm really not optimistic. <laughs> you know, one could call you a Debbie Downer, but I'm not going to be that person because <laughs> they are 12 and 0. They're 4 and 0 in conference play. Uh, the only time that they've had to go to a full five sets was when they faced KU. Um, and that was because uh, they got down to a 2-0 deficit early after some close sets, and they had to uh, really claw their way back in that one. Uh, but other than that, it's been a lot of sweeps. Uh, swept OU, swept Texas Tech, swept TCU. Um, they swept number 12 Stanford. Uh, they faced Ohio State two times. And swept them once and then won three one in the other uh, when they were number seven, beat number four Minnesota three one. Uh they don't get in many close games. Uh so it's gonna be tough sledding uh for this K State team, as it always is. A few years ago, I think maybe two years ago, they they had Texas on the ropes. Uh and they, they were up two oh and they ended up losing. Uh so they're gonna have to replicate a magical performance except this time on the road. Uh, they'll get them back home later in the month. But, I mean, Texas, I mean, they're pretty much a borderline Olympic team every year <laughs> in volleyball. Yeah. So, it's a tough matchup for anybody. Yeah. They play them on Wednesday, and then they play TCU in Bramlage for the pink match and also dollar night in Bramlage Coliseum against the Texas Christian Horn Frogs. Next Saturday at 6.30, that is the K-State bye week for football, if I'm remembering correctly. I believe it is. So, there is no excuse. Yeah, why not? Just go. <laughs> why not us? But, yeah, so congratulations to the Bali Cats and wish them the best of their luck on a pretty tough part of their schedule. But next up is the Soccer Cats. Let's just, let's just start from the top here. Their first game that we're going to be match that we're going to be talking about was up against a number nine in the country, TCU, and it was Socktoberfest, which if you went, you got a nice little Pilsner glass. It really is a nice Pilsner glass. Did you get one? No, but I've seen it. Oh, nice. One of my friends actually got it. It's a very nice glass. But um <laughs> <laughs> that's it's about where that's about where the plus sides of this game end. TCU, as we said, was number two in the country, and this was a one nil loss for the K State Wildcats. And the one goal was scored in the forty third minute. It, it was it was just not a pretty game. It was just, it was just not pretty. <laughs> yeah, I mean the stats kind of show that too. K State gets more than doubled up and uh, shots and shots on target. Uh, first half, 11 to six in favor of TCU. So at least respectable against a uh, top 10 team. Second half, eight shots for TCU, just two for K-State. And then nine shots on target for TCU over the match, four for K-State. K-State ends up with more saves, but that's kind of a misnomer because, I mean, TCU is putting more shots on goal than we were. So uh hardly matters. 
Uh, they had a few more corner kicks, five to two fouls are roughly even. And yeah, like I said, uh, the one goal was scored in the 43rd minute. Um, Yeah, not a ton to write home about. Uh, K-State does hold TCU to just the one goal, uh, but they were getting a lot of opportunities. Uh, but um, still a solid performance. They didn't roll over and give up uh, like they probably could have. Um, and TCU is a very, very, very good team. So uh, all around a, a solid performance, but still not getting any points there. At some point, K-State's going to have to win a game like that. Uh, not even just because it's important, but because just statistically they should have to at some point. They've gotten close a few times, but uh, they they really need to put home a win against a ranked team uh, to generate some excitement around the program. Because right now, uh, there's not many programs, I think, that there's like less excitement about, I'd say, uh, than uh, soccer. They have some nice promotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a fun day. You know, the park is not a huge time commitment. It's only about two hours. But it, it's definitely frustrating. Uh, they just haven't been able to get over the hump. Yeah. And uh, speaking of not getting over the hump, the next game. It, do we really have to talk about it? <laughs> um, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah. The next game was up against Texas in Austin. Texas was nine, no wait, eight, one, and three going into this game with a three zero and one conference record. And uh, to our credit, we didn't give up any goals in the first half. You know, to our credit, and mm-hmm. if if you would have told me we did that, I, I think I would have been happy. And then you would have told me about the second half where we gave up four, and uh, I, I don't think I would have been happy anymore. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just that they gave up four goals. In the second half, it was how they gave up all four of those goals in less than 15 minutes. Uh, the first one scored in the 68th minute by Cameron Brooks. Uh, then just five minutes later in the 72nd minute, uh, Emily Jane Cox puts one through. And then less than a minute later in the 73rd minute, Cameron Brooks gets a second one for a brace. And then a little later, Jilly Shimkin gets the last Texas goal of the match in the 82nd minute. Uh, yeah, so 4-0 loss for K-State, and this one probably the worst match of the season. Uh, K-State gets about doubled up in shots and does get doubled up in shots on target. Uh, it's becoming a trend. Uh, 21 shots for Texas to 11 for K-State, 10 on target to 5 on target uh, Texas to K-State there. First half was a little bit more even, 9 shots for Texas, 6 for K-State. Texas really took over in the second half, 12 to 5. Uh, K-State gets one more save than Texas did. Texas had 12 corner kicks, just two for K-State. Fouls were dead even in not only total, but also half to half, uh, 10 um, apiece and three apiece and seven apiece in the respective halves. Uh, Only other really notable thing for K-State here is that in the 45th minute, uh, Texas got a yellow card. Um, Not much else really to say or take uh, from this, I think. Um, just all around a, a really bad performance. Uh, Elena Wehrmeyer probably trying her absolute best, uh, in goal. There's so much she can do. Yeah. And this is not a shocking result, honestly. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, waxing about it, but it's not, it's not as if this is unexpected, uh, because teams like Texas in a sport like, uh, 
a soccer, they're just going to be com- completely more athletic in every single sense uh, than K-State's going to be. Um, that's just how it has been for a while. Last year when we watched that match, uh, it was complete and utter athletic domination by Texas the entire time, and it was a miracle that game was only like 2-0 or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, in this game, uh, last year it felt like 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 a miracle when we were able to get a shot off and i imagine it probably felt somewhat somewhere i wasn't able to watch uh but not a great performance uh would like to see more progress than this um the program at this point very frustrating uh result for k-state because you at least wanted to get closer than this but instead they dropped to oh three and one uh in in a conference play and it's not going to get easier really um, I say that I'm actually, it actually might <laughs> <laughs> I, like, like yeah, getting TCU and Texas out of the way, uh, is good, but they are a long way removed from that nil nil tie at Iowa state to start a uh, conference play to the point where they are now, uh, probably dead last or tied for dead last, uh, in the conference. Uh, on another collision course with that last place spot, uh, which is just really, really, really unfortunate. Yeah. For okay, I have two things. Firstly, how is Texas only ranked twenty third? I do not know. <laughs> I and second, the last time I and and think about this. The last time K-State scored a goal was on my birthday, which was September 15th. Man. They have not scored a single (laughs) goal since September 15th. That is a... Wow. (laughs) You'd think they would just kind of accidentally stumble into one. You know, you'd really think, wouldn't you? But you would be wrong. Um, fortunately, haven't been able to do it. Um, and I, I was looking at Iowa State, and uh, they are tied with us in last place because uh, they have not won since their match against us, and they've had the same amount of games. This might be the sort of thing where if we can win one game in Big 12 play, we might make it to the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever. Which is so depressing. Um, opportunities left. KU at home. Uh, decent KU. shot. I, Baylor away isn't terrible because Baylor's not too great this year. They're two six and two. They actually have a worse record than us. But that's, that's potentially doable. But I can't recall the last time. Well, we beat KU on the road last year, I guess, in overtime. So. I guess we did get that, but I mean, uh, the the point that's being made here is that the soccer team is not getting better. Um, year in, year out, they are continuing to not perform as well as it feels like we were promised. Because uh, I think that the big thing that we've been promised is that it's going to take time to do it. Uh, it's going to take time for the team to get uh, to power five quality but they started in 2016 and it's 2022 
I'm not trying to be rude about that, but I'm not even, I'm not asking for us to even finish middle of the table in big 12 play. I'm asking for us to be genuinely competitive uh, in our games. Uh, I just want to make the tournament, man. (laughs) All you have to do is just not finish last to do that, which they might do it this year because Iowa State might just be bad enough to not uh, win a game. Uh, that draw with Iowa State, if that had been a win, that we'd be in a great position right now, uh, which is so sad to say. That is so sad. Like That shouldn't be the standard. The standard should be higher than sneaking into the tournament. But you do with, with a program that's never even made it, you got to start small. If they can make the tournament this year, that is at least something. Even if it's with an asterisk, at least they make it. It's tangible proof that we've done something to improve. Because that you and I mentioned that we didn't expect this team to be all that because they lost their best player. Yeah, we didn't expect them to be great. We just wanted to see improvement, and we've regressed. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. At times, this team looked like it was taking steps. Uh, the few games I've been able to watch start to finish, uh, a lot of it has just been inconsistency. Uh, sometimes they look like they're better. Other times they look disinterested almost. It's just hard to tell uh, from such a far away point of view. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the path forward is because, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm doing all this criticizing. I'm not a soccer coach. I don't nope. really know what I'm talking about. But, you know, what? We're, we're just podcasting. Our, it's not like our opinion actually matters. So, <laughs> <laughs> wait a, it's honest. Yeah, it's honest. <laughs> I'm thinking from the perspective of the coaches here. Yeah, it's like I don't know, my, because they are trying. Like, like they're recruiting a lot. They're recruiting heavily. They're recruiting well, yeah, but it's just not translating on the field results right now. Yeah, like I'm not. I, it, it, our intention is not to, you know, oh, the coaches are so bad. They need to be fired right now. It's not our intention. We we understand that it is extraordinarily difficult to build a program that's six years old in a conference that also has Texas, West Virginia, a perennial powerhouse, and you know, TCU. We're not saying that. We, we just want them to improve. <laughs> that's it. I improvement is the only thing that we want and it's like pulling teeth to get to that point right now it feels like they're constantly close to improving but just haven't quite gone over that hump granted west virginia this year actually is having a down year which is interesting they're four three and six one oh and three in conference so uh granted granted, that's just a lot of ties but uh so uh, they did. They did beat Iowa State two 0 So we're probably going to lose to them two 0 uh, yeah. by transitive property. But oh boy, you know we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The next match for the Soccer Cats is in Waco, Texas, up against Baylor, and then next Thursday in Boozer Family Park, up against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But now we can start talking about women's basketball and a preseason award winner. We would have had a preseason All-American, but unfortunately, Ioka Lee, you know, uh, hope for a quick recovery for her from her surgery. But Serena Sundell is a preseason All-Big 12 choice. So congratulations to Serena Sundell. And honestly, I think it's 
it's well-deserved after she finished as, oh, she finished highly in Big 12 Rookie of the Year, or was she one? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I don't think she did win it, and I, I seem to remember it being a point of controversy, Um, but I cannot recall off the top of my head if she did win it or not. I actually she, can't. She was in contention either way. Yeah, yeah she was. Congratulations to Serena Sundell. I actually am pretty high on the, you know, after after the initial gut punch that was losing Ioka Lee, I still think that this team could potentially make the Big 12 tournament, not the, the NCAA tournament. <laughs> they could still make the NCAA tournament, but that's a that's a question for when we do the Catskipball previews, which will come in like, uh, well, I guess we don't have much time now because the pregame, the preseason stuff starts in, I think their first exhibition's in a month. That it is, yeah, that it is. It, it is really sneaking up right now with uh, how busy uh, football's been. And how busy we've been. That is people. true. <laughs> we, we are very, we are bu- very busy folks. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Serena Sundell. And that pretty much wraps up the news segments. Now we can go into the wacky segment of the week. And this week is if big 12 coaches had to pick their favorite video game, what would their choices be? So, I'm just going to go off of a, uh, I'm just going to start looking at a list and, you know, just start coming up with things off the top of my head. Um, Joey McGuire is, I'd say probably Quake, just because of how energetic he is. He No, no, uh, Doom Eternal. Because I feel like if Joey McGuire isn't moving every, like once every two seconds, he's, uh, he, he may, he may lose his mind. Uh, Neil Brown is a Genshin Impact player. I will not be elaborating. <laughs> uh, Brent Venables, uh, Cooking Mama, you know, burnt vegetables, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Lance Leipold, Flappy Bird, because he needs a reason to be angry at everything. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian. That's actually a toughie. What would Sark play? Sark just plays Madden, actually. <laughs> Sark's just he, a Madden seems player. Like he would. <laughs> Sark is, Sark's a Madden player. Uh, Sonny Dykes. Uh, that's actually a toughie. Uh, we'll come back to you. Chris Kleiman, he plays Tetris. Uh, <laughs> I will not be elaborating. Matt Campbell, he's the 12-year-old kid that rages every time he plays Call of Duty. So Call of Duty is his choice. Uh, Dave Aranda. Dick Doug. (laughs) Mike Gundy doesn't know what a video game is, but he enjoys the one time his son came home and started playing like Bass Pro Fishing 2003. So he still plays it every day. That's my (laughs) list. I don't know what Sunny Dice is. All right. I'll start with uh, I'll just go in order of the schools. You'll let me know if I forget one. Okay. Um, Baylor, Dave Aranda. Uh, I'm gonna say there's two options here. Uh, the first one is Pong, uh, and the second one is not even video games. He just watches like those like videos that are like meant to like be like hyper stimulating to pets and like. <laughs> 
like just like watches very intently and has a zero emotional reaction and then just goes and watches game film or something at like 3 a.m. And he, he doesn't might be sleep. A robot. He might be. A he robot. might be. Matt Campbell is 100% a Fortnite player. Uh, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that Matt Campbell is just like sitting in like the players lounge and not letting the players like use like the TV because he's like trying to like win a Fortnite match. And that's but you know what? Sometimes he lets somebody sit next to him and that's why their team chemistry is so high. Um, Were you a polite cyclone today, Matt Campbell, when you baby raged at the kid who <laughs> built up? Did you say thank you when you lost in Fortnite today, Matt Campbell? Because that's what that's what the good cyclone would do. Follow your own rules, Matthew. But Lance Leopold. Um I I don't know. I, I feel like anytime Lance Leopold's handed a controller, he would just think it's frivolous or something. Either that or Pagel. <laughs> That's it. Which honestly, Pagel is actually super fun. Yeah. Like objectively, I think it's just a really fun, like mind numbing game. Yeah. Chris Kleiman, I feel like he likes Pac-Man, but I think he'd be embarrassed to admit it. And because I think he'd be embarrassed to admit that he enjoys something that like isn't <laughs> like watching game film or being at veneer. And so I, I think it would definitely be that. Um, he'd be like Pac-Man, but say it like really quietly under his breath. Mm-hmm. Like and hope you don't hear him. <laughs> what was that, coach? Nothing. Go cats. <laughs> um after that, I believe is Oklahoma, if I'm right. Yeah, uh, vegetables. Brent Ven- Brent Venables, aka Burnt Vegetables. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say he exclusively plays We Fit, and <laughs> that is it. Sometimes he might delve into Wii Sports, but only do boxing and breaks a sweat while doing it. And I think that'd be funny. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, Farming Simulator for Mike Gundy. Um, that's it. After that, um, who's next? Texas? Uh, TCU or Texas? I'll say TCU. Uh, Sonny Dykes strikes me as a man who plays Candy Crush. Um, just like on his phone like at random like points like like i feel like i can see him like stealthily getting his phone out during practice and being like yeah i'm texting a recruit and like trying to like play some candy crush or something while max duggan figures out like the game plan or something i don't know <laughs> max duggan's the real key here key to be max duggan <laughs> um after that you've got texas sark um, I'm just going to agree with you and say Madden because I really just don't know and don't particularly care either. Yeah. Uh, Joey McGuire, uh, I feel like is Warzone because he's trying because I think that's how he connects with recruits so well as he plays Warzone with them. <laughs> the, that the is completely unsubstantiated. Just Warzone sessions. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's unsubstantiated. I just made it up. It might be true. I'm going to pretend that it is. My source said I made it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Turns out I was lying. <laughs> um, other than I think after that it's just West Virginia. Yep. Unless I've missed anyone. No. Um, Neil Brown. Uh, I think that he plays that game at the arcade that always had like the full sized rifle, like the like oh, big buck game hunter? hunt, buck big hunter, game yeah. hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I think he plays that. 
because he really wants to fit in. But I think he's getting really scared that he'll get fired. And after he gets fired, because uh, it will happen uh, with his millions of dollars that he gets in buyout money, um, he he could play any game he wants. Uh, I'm going to say that he pays EA for early access to NCAA 24. Um, so that way he can learn how to call an offense. I, I thought you were going to say that he just like buys every single like buck hunting game in the United no, States and not. puts it in his base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these get better and better, I swear. <laughs> Yeah, mine went better than I thought because there was like half of them I really wasn't sure uh, going into it. I had to like make it up. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggie Bow Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggie Bow A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggie Bow Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards at zero zero. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.